Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Suicide Squad by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Chris Ayers from the People v. Batman v. Superman podcast. And you can find me online at ChrisAyersCreative.com. Perfect. Uh, another one. Perfect. Always. Professional, as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we're talking about minute number 24 of Suicide Squad, and the minute's going to start out with uh, Enchantress caressing Chairman Edwards. <laughs> you like that? The minute's going to end with um, uh, Deadshot kind of reminiscing about his daughter. I, I it's, uh, like he's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's kind of bland. Uh. We'll get there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this time we won't have dessert for yeah. first before yeah. the... But um yeah like it does kind of the the big scene that we've been analyzing throughout the week um does come to an end here so we'll be starting a new chapter uh in tomorrow's minute but uh just like this scene started with Stephen Price music it also ends with it and uses it to transition into another um I would say another emotional um being that the June Moon and Rick Flag thing I, was made more emotional with the Stephen Price music. So we enter a new scene with, um, I guess, who is our... Okay, so this is the debate whether Deadshot is like supposed to be the central protagonist of this film. But I think it's implied just because of top billing and he's the leader of the group kind of naturally. So it is an emotional state for our, our protagonist. Um but yeah, it's like it's it's been a good, really good scene um, the past four days, and so honestly, uh, as we rounded out, I was like, oh, you know, what a nice the music really makes it feel like a nice end cap to it to it all, you know, like it's a perfect, well encapsul- encapsulated scene, you know, with um, Enchantress being introduced and Suicide Squad being pitched. So it's like it's a good move, it's a good moment that doesn't seem like it's hindered by editing, like it seemed like almost not meddled with i want to say like as far as the rest of the film seems to go um this whole pentagon scene has seemed kind of like they were like okay this is something that's already been edited the way it is please don't touch it kind of thing you know and that's kind of the vibe i get with it is that this is something that remained untouched from the original versions of the film and yet it's still only about four minutes long. Like one of the longest <laughs> scenes is still four minutes. Yeah. When we did, um, when we were covering Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice, it felt like week to week we were starting a new uh, a new scene. And so like when we had, every time we had a different guest, a new week, it felt like, okay, now we're talking about this scene. You know, we, we talked about the death of the Waynes and then the next scene was the uh black zero event through bruce's eyes and the next week was lex Luthor at lex corp and i feel like when it comes to editing most of the time people do these things in like five minute chunks or like minute by minute like that's how they're editing and so with this only this being one of the longer better scenes of the film being only four minutes and then the rest are probably shorter they're more condensed you know maybe that's a testament to like the kind of the issues here is like, we're not giving enough time to take in everything that's being thrown at us. Am I on to something or is like, is editing is the pacing too fast. And that's the problem. 
Uh, it could be part of it. It's part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I also think about the pacing in comic books and how that has changed over time. Because when I think about reading DC Comics, some, say something like uh, Titans with you know George Perez, um, how much was packed into a single page or a single mm-hmm. book in one of those? Like you felt that you were getting a huge chunk of story in, yeah. in one issue. And these days it's like all splash pages and it's, you know, less pages. And it's, I feel like this movie is edited more the way comics are today than they were back in the 80s when Suicide Squad was coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, hot off the heels of New 52. Yeah. Needed to make, make it look pretty. You see that a lot with promotional comic books that are meant to be like, you know, they're either tied in with the movie that you're buying or, you know, it's a it's a prequel comic to the movie that you're about to watch. Um, it's part of a cartoon or something. And so, like, they have, like, these freebies, these free comic book day type comic book stories, and they are very limited in the amount of uh, dialogue that is written. Yeah. And it's all meant to just be, like, a fast skim through it. You got the beginning, middle, end, and you're good. Um, but then you do have books like, um, I would say like Watchmen that are like, Hey, we have every single cell is in a third column, like a three by three grid. And there's a lot of dialogue that you need to like get into. And so it, the pacing is controlled by the the cell design and, and the amount of dialogue. Like when you read Green Lantern books, they're like paragraphs Mm -hmm. of dialogue because Jeff Johns is like. I need you to know everything about every core and Oa and it's like the the law of the land throughout space and it's like those things like and so when it comes to Suicide Squad does uh when you when you guys have read Suicide Squad does it feel like the pacing needs to take its time to to detail everything for us or is it or su- or should Suicide Squad in comic books be a a fast-paced thing I think it should be fast-paced I think the modern version is definitely fast-paced. Yeah. I've, I've got the um, issue one here in front of me, and it, it goes back and forth between long scenes of people having conversations, and then there's a couple mm-hmm. pages of like big action scenes. So that's, I mean, that's pretty good. That's kind of what this movie's doing, too. Um, but the 80s just, the, my, my reference for reading Suicide Squad, it was in the 80s, and that's more, I think it was slower, and I think there was more per page. I think, um, do you think, Jack Kirby and the way that he creates a whole kind of like universe within comic books, do you think that had an effect on people who were then revamping things like Suicide Squad or like Doom Patrol, things that have maybe not have been the biggest stars like Batman and Superman, but they were like, hey, I want to kind of create my own like bigger, like I want to have my own room kind of thing. Or were they just like, nope, Suicide Squad still should just be like, they're villains. They get blown up, like destabilize that government. Uh, someone defected, like cut, boom, like print kind of thing. I, I think the biggest influences on Suicide Squad of the '80s was probably Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns. Like it's it's a lot denser. There's a lot of panels. There's a lot of serious government stuff happening. There's you know it includes actual presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this has much to do with Kirby. It doesn't feel like Kirby. It feels much more like Watchmen. Yeah. Because there was also like you know during that time you well we there's not much world building in Suicide Squad it's so, just like yeah. you already know the characters yeah. you already know that they're on the Suicide Squad they're just yeah like, l- all right let's get to the mission and the reason we have those characters is just yeah. to like get them introduced maybe mm-hmm. kill them off right then and there and show how abrupt this this world is yeah and like 
maybe do that. I mean, during that time, we also had the kind of 80s action movies. Um, I'm thinking like Predator for some reason, where it's like you have your group of, you know, people who are just picked off kind of thing. And maybe that kind of whole macho guerrilla tactics kind of thing, maybe that yeah you know, bled into st- yeah stuff like yeah. stallone and cobra or mm-hmm. you know commando yeah, yeah. was Schwarzenegger. Exactly. Yeah, that was that was also a big influence on suicide squad yeah so people like that and so people do want that kind of pacing um i always thought it was just an action comic yeah and it's not outdated like i mean and they have like their own team dynamic like which i thought was i always i wasn't the biggest suicide squad mm-hmm. but i always thought like the biggest takeaway from suicide squad that you're that the reader is supposed to walk away from is the team dynamic and actually feeling somewhat sympathetic for the characters that are normally seen as you know bad guys but uh i always thought it was just like all right what's what's the what's the next mission yeah and with those movies you don't need to heavily introduce the character it can be fast-paced it could be like here's the team of commandos um all right go joe's like kind of thing like yeah. just go out there um like i could see the same have you guys thing. ever played the, the xcom mm. video games no and never mind i don't want to say what i was going to say never mind <laughs> okay uh in xcom there's like you know you're fighting aliens but you're always picking it's a very mm-hmm. difficult game and like half your squad is likely to die yeah. every time so i always named it after suicide squad characters it's like oh they just ah. killed they just killed that shot <laughs> is there is there a dc version of that game no, it would be great if there was, but this, you're fighting aliens, but it's just so brutally hard, and it's like the point is your characters are supposed to die, and you're supposed to get over it. That's kind of that was reminding me of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's always a, a drama. There's drama. Of who's going to die? Because all these guys are like sea level characters. It's no big deal. Yeah, and with this movie, it, only one of them. <laughs> well, when uh, you were well, you were asking if uh, if Deadshot was the protagonist, and I think yes, only because you know Will Smith is is playing him. But it's like you know he's not going to die. You know Harley Quinn's not going to die. Mm-hmm. So it's those two are obviously safe. So it takes a little would, bit of the drama yeah. out. I would even have said Captain Boomerang. I know Captain Boomerang's not gonna die. Probably not. Yeah. But uh, I'm like trying to think like that should be that should be the thing though, right? Shouldn't that be like? Oh, you wouldn't think Killer Croc would get his head blown up. That'd be cool. Yeah, but that would be the point, right? Like, when it would be the point. But I mean, like, judging from just going back, like what uh, Captain Boomerang, mm-hmm. he's so big, involved in another predominant character, mm-hmm. and like, you know, they could have that rogues gallery, just because he's there. Cool. Introduce him. Tell me that he exists. Introduce his adversary. Cool little Easter egg. I know he's safe. What if this movie had like five or six characters who you equally thought might die and there was a constant drama with that? That would be amazing. Yeah, I'm just, I feel like that's what they, there's... Again, I, I still feel safe about Killer Croc. I would have <laughs> been like, yeah, uh, he's not going to die. He's just going to slip away into the sewers. Cool. Because Diablo has a heroic death, so it doesn't feel like suicide squad kind of thing you know it doesn't feel like Mm -hmm. he led to his own downfall kind of thing um you know the no i'm trying to think like there in the new 52 it does end on kind of like a cliffhanger where one of them either deadshot or harley quinn one damages the other and i'm and it's like a fatal wound and that's how it ends um but that could be that should have kind of I keep saying should. It does. I shouldn't be anything. It should be whatever it wants, right? But like, just 
good ideas of like let's let's break that rule that we don't want to break because that's what suicide squad is it's like hey some of the characters that you meet might die and it's like okay well then let's do it and like let's get mad about it because that's what it's supposed to be i'm supposed to get mad that you guys killed killer croc like for no reason um or like make us feel like he's such a cool guy he's like a gentle giant type thing like he didn't deserve it and just be like that's why i hate amanda waller more because she killed that guy Mm -hmm. so i don't know i just I, i would it's like me asking someone to kill my favorite comic book character like that's not something i should be asking but it's what should happen um with this uh this moment here so enchantress gets the the weapon plans of tehran um the chairman edwards is convinced um and then enchantress is asked to return june moon um in which she hesitates so we get to see amanda waller be amanda waller and force what she wants immediately but here's my thing with it is that with rick flag he's like concerned about this moment and june moon's safety but if you're concerned with june moon's safety why why support this in the first place my question is what is what goal does does um rick flag expect in this moment or not in this moment just in this whole this whole scheme like what is is he thinking like oh just do what she says you might <laughs> she says that in the meeting it's like if anyone tries to defect you throw them under the bus he's like just do what she says she might throw you under the bus and she might you know you'll be labeled as the suicide squad but do it because maybe in 10 years we can retire and get married like all americans do like i don't know like what are you expecting you're like putting someone you fell in love with in harm's way i would be trying to elope you know, like, he doesn't you know have a choice, right? Because Amanda Waller has her heart in the box thing. I, like he's just going along with it because he has to. I guess I'm not understanding. It's him I don't understand. With Enchantress, it's like, okay, you have my heart, like, and you basically have a loaded gun pointed at me, so I will do what you say. But Rick Flag is like, oh, because I'm in love with you. I don't want you to get hurt and I'm going to let her continue to point the gun at you. You see what I'm saying? It's like, okay, you want a better situation for this person, but you're not doing anything for them. He doesn't have a choice. He has to go along with it. He like, Amanda doesn't, Waller has all the leverage. Give me a second. I didn't mean that. That's so rude. But um, uh, later <laughs> on in this, this. now. Uh, spoil this for me later on in this movie um the whole breakout of the enchantress is that caused from a slip up of rick flag mm, i remember like, them i think no. they're like in a it's in a him. hotel room and then something happens and then she finally gets it and he's like oh oh boy that's my <laughs> fault like i, <laughs> I feel it like it was costello moment yeah <laughs> You got that relic still? I couldn't tell you, boss. Yeah. I lost it. I feel I was, if that's the thing, I, my main question was, does Enchantress have the ability to, um, broad strokes, turn Rick Flag to her side, make him fall in love with her? And if so, did she use that as like the in to Amanda Waller? 
Because <sighs> then I would Either way, see, it's like, Amanda this, Waller's yeah. fault. It's not Rick Flag. It's no, I, I see it's not Rick Flag's fault, but it's like maybe Enchantress was smart enough to see, oh, I can get through this guy. And Rick, like, maybe he didn't just, you know, love at first sight. Like, oh, I don't want anything to happen to you, girl in black bathtub water. Yeah. Like, I think maybe she, she, does she have that ability to put a spell on someone uh, to get what she mm-hmm. wants? Just like Hocus Pocus. Just like Hocus Pocus. Yeah. You that they don't really they're not clear with what her abilities are that much in in this movie I don't think but I think she has that power in the comics does she I mean I would believe that more so because again you guys are right Rick Flag just falls stupid in love with her because she looks like a cool goth girlfriend in that bathtub yeah I mean like I get it from that point I but again it. she's yeah, a witch I get I get <laughs> her it. name is Enchantress right doesn't that mean like you enchant someone kind of yeah. like charm them yeah I d- it's maybe. And she's a, a babe of a of a you demon. You know what it is? It's when he busted into her apartment. She said she needed help, and he said, "I'm the American hero, and you're the damsel in distress. I will save you." And then Amanda Waller doesn't question it, even though it might be an enchantment that made, you know, Enchantress being like, "Hey, you're a dude. Why don't you fall in love with me?" That's like, like maybe I put this girl in a damsel in distress moment, and you fall. For, like either way, Enchantress is getting what she wants. But the fault still goes on Amanda Waller, who either questioned the relationship and just didn't do anything about it or just didn't even question it. Just didn't even go like, huh, I wonder how they fell in love. Not, you know, instead she just goes, oh, I guess they're in love. Oh, I guess they're in love. Better like that's an advantage for me that I didn't plan for. All right. You're her bodyguard now. Yeah. That's lunch. Exactly. So. It, like in the end, it's like it seems to be. Um, I don't think Rick Flag slips up, so we'll have to wait. But um, yeah, I guess we'll wait and find out, and then we'll bring it back up again. All right, cool. But um, it, you but know who I like to blame is the executives at Warner Brothers for most of the things, the problems in these yeah. movies. Yeah, this yeah. is yeah. the executive boardroom for Warner Brothers <laughs> right here, um, and they were like, "I don't. What is this? A magic show?" And then they're like, "All right, it, you're approved. Here's your budget." Um, but yeah, it's a. With with I keep trying to say Joel Kinnaman, with Rick Flag, it is like, oh I'm sorry she hurt you, please continue to do what she says. Like, my guy, what? He's a pretty weak character in this. The, the, the way I don't know if he was intended to be, but the way the movie came out in the end, he makes him pretty weak. He doesn't have much agency, and he kind of. I think my problem is goes that, along. Yeah, and he's like. Oh, what's the term? I He's, feel like, uh, the, like the movie tries to make him a victim of a situation. Compromise. He's compromised from the beginning just by being in love with the with the witch. He's compromised. Why did Amanda all the way mm. the whole film? And I'm like, it is, it is. And I'm it's like, like, are we if we're trying to show Harley Quinn and Deadshot as like the real heroes in a crazed society? Why am I having to victim like sympathize for this person who? Has everything. Um, like he's not a broken character, but it's like I shouldn't have. To, I don't know. He's he's to me the least interesting thing in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> but he what does he do? He hits a Iron Four golf reference. I don't. I can't remember what he what it is. He's uh, like some with a handicap. Yeah, know, something. Oh yeah, he's golf. a babysitter who doesn't really care how it goes. He doesn't care if the kids are safe in the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, like, mad that he allows it to happen, really. And I don't know 
if I'm supposed to care about him, but I'm always like, you're letting this happen and acting like the victim. I don't know. He's like, oh, we have to go save her, save Enchantress or save June Moon. And it's like, dude, I don't have to do anything. This is like a possessed demon. Like, <laughs> this we should just like, should have ended this a long time ago. Is Rick Flagg now in regular comic continuity? Is Rick Flagg just supposed to be a military liaison like a Steve Trevor type, or does he have a bigger role? I'll argue Steve Trevor has a bigger role because he's a love interest, but does yeah. Rick Flagg have like a thing that makes him Rick Flagg, or is he just American hero? With uh, Steve Trevor, they in, in most Wonder Woman stories, they will acknowledge that he is a representation of a flawed man, and it's like Wonder Woman's presence is there in the story, to use him as a vessel to show that, sh- that she can show them a better way of, yeah. of being. So they they highlight flaws in Steve Trevor for the purpose of Not talking about Steve Trevor, talking about Rick Flagg. Now, compared to him. I don't know. I, uh, Rick Flagg's just the, the boring, generic military dude who happens time? to be it? trying every, to do the right thing. Every time, in every that's, story. I mean, I haven't read everything he's been in, but it's like that's basically his trait. That's why yeah. I said he was like Duke from G.I. Joe. He's like the yeah. least interesting. He's just a normal, generic dude. His dad was the original commander of um, Task Force X back, I think that was like the, in the 40s or something. It was a military unit, mm-hmm. like from military comics. And then when they when they retooled the Suicide Squad concept, they just made it his son, the, the new guy. And it's, like, it's really not that interesting. So being that that is the, the way of life for Rick Flagg in Suicide comic books, is that how it should be? Should he be like this stale kind of control group kind of control variable among the other ones to show kind of like um you know like in the monsters they're like the the niece is like the this the straight edge one the normal one the normal like, like one. the like typical straight man and you know yeah. like the, yeah. the other people are funny because this other guy is you know not having it kind of thing yeah. it's just it's kind of necessary for this but it's not interesting mm-hmm. but it's supposed to be not interesting i think so I, there's nothing interesting about him. And now somebody might have, you know, a, another opinion. Someone mm-hmm. might tweet at me or something, but I, I've never found him interesting. I, he's just he's just the normal military dude. Yeah. Which would have been, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe me as a generic audience person for Suicide Squad, because I'm not too into it, maybe, maybe I require a little more spoon-feeding with that. I'm not supposed to care for him, because I get the feeling... That I should care for him, but if I again, I think we are trying to dig deeper than we're supposed to <laughs> for this character. I don't yeah, know. I, I've them, always I felt like it. he was like so. The main characters of this film are Rick Flag, Deadshot, and Harley Quinn. Like those to me felt like the three main characters. And so when you say that, then I'm like, well, I don't care about him. And is there stuff in this movie to make me care, or am I not supposed to? Just tell me which one so I can get over it, you know? Like, that's me saying I don't know it which way I'm supposed to take it because as of right now, I don't. Um, I think yeah. this guy is accurate to the comics, but the comics version is, is just not that great. I think mm-hmm. his biggest trait is like he's always trying to do the right thing, but he he, he doesn't want to go with along with Amanda Waller's shady stuff. Like he's always kind of against that, mm-hmm. but he's doing it in service of his country because he thinks yeah. it, it might be the most effective thing, but he's not really... Uh, a fan of Amanda Waller's methods. Hmm. Yeah, because yeah, we'll get. I guess they they'll have some one-on-one time uh, next week about this whole this whole situation. But um, 
yeah he's always he's always perplexed me on like how i should go about um you know kind of like analyzing this character and seeing if i'm going the right way about it or if i'm just if i'm just supposed to completely shut my brain off to him which is fine it just like you said it just create for um, a very stale character but it could be intentional so that the other ones uh shine through um but they had to give him a motivation in this too i mean you you would ask why is he going along with this and they had to give him this this relationship and leverage that amanda waller has over him or else his character makes no sense Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, the only other note I had for this was that uh, the the Argus quote, the, the, the Latin phrase that we were reading earlier, yeah. I won't pronounce it, but like it does translate to our shirt, our our search begins. <laughs> our, our shirts and our shirts. Our shirts have been dry cleaned. I am back from the store. It says our search begins. Our search begins begins i know do you guys know what the uh the, the acronym for argus means kinda i like did. the shield or it's kind of silly advanced mm-hmm. research group uniting metahumans mm-hmm. or superhumans sorry it's like a it's like a strained uh acronym kind of like shield is as a joke yeah. in, in the marvel like movies star labs same thing they all just got what is it again say one more time advanced research group uniting superhumans advanced research group uniting superhumans hmm it's to me way less interesting than what the uh, the agencies used to be before New Fifty Two. We had the, the DEO, which is in the Supergirl TV show, mm-hmm. the Department of, of, of Extra Normal Affairs, and then also <laughs> Checkmate, which I mentioned in a previous. Yeah, those those yeah. were way more interesting to me than Argus ever has been. But this doesn't mean that in this universe, right? Because superhumans don't exist yet, so it would just be like advanced research group of. I don't know. United States, <laughs> right? Is, like, is there a wiki, is there a wiki for the DCEU? Yeah, it's just DCEU wiki. Huh. I guess I have to look that up. Does this? I mean, I was looking at the logo earlier. Did it not spell it out for us? I guess probably. Not. I think on the dossiers it'll say Argus, and it'll probably say what it says. Say what it says. Yeah. Says what it says. I don't know. Nope. Although it probably maybe it's like. Amanda Waller's like wacky sub branch that they're like, all right, here you go, kiddo. You wanted it. It's like um, uh, Bruce Wayne and Morgan <laughs> Bruce Wayne and Lucius Fox getting the uh, science division of Wayne uh, Wayne uh, uh, R and D. Yeah, the R and D department. Yeah, it was just one of those things. Like for some reason they really wanted this, so here you have at it. And so maybe that's what she wanted. She was like. So maybe it does stand for superhumans, and they were like, all right, she's off some wacky conspiracy theories. Um, yeah, so maybe it does still mean superhumans in this one. Um, the other one, the one, the Godzilla one, is a little silly, too. Uh, Monarch? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't stand for anything. Th- wasn't there... Monarch Sciences? Yeah. Are you talking about the Mudo? Mudo. Mo- massive, unidentified terrestrial organism. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. They applied. Uh, to I found the Argus on this on the DCE wiki, and it's the same thing. They didn't it's change it. Superhumans, yeah. Yeah. Who knows if I'm, that's accurate? I'm just gonna assume that it was uh, some wacky branch that they created for her. It was like a lemonade stand that they put in like the office. Oh, like man. there, there's your division, and she built it into an empire. Another testament to Amanda Waller. Um, 
but then we cut to uh yeah we cut to deadshot over here who is uh meditating on pretty much the last words uh that she that he's heard from his daughter because spoiler alert he's been writing letters and not receiving any um so he hasn't had contact with his daughter in years um and i'm pretty sure this line of dialogue plays out throughout the entire film kind of like um it's the only thing that keeps him going in life right Mm -hmm. so he's got a window a window yeah i think that's a big deal you think it's a big deal oh yeah maybe it's uh hmm. if he's really good at what what we call the pro prioception Mm -hmm. he'd be able to like dead shot the place of the window where you would be able to crack it right that or like take a pebble and like i hit it right here hit something hit a bird that like chain reaction into a bulldozer wait are you saying it's a hollow cavity in the wall or is it like glass i think i don't know i don't know if the water's dripping through or not i'm pretty Um, sure that it's a glass it's It's a glass okay so whatever break it and then throw another pebble hit a bird that's passing by that bird's gonna hit an airplane that airplane's gonna crash <laughs> and cause domino effect and then all of a sudden just the big bulldozer is gonna come through the wall and he's gonna be like all right i'm out that that's prior that perception great. please write that down <laughs> let that be dead shots next like next time he escapes somewhere that is that should how that's how it should go it's like uh the old michael jordan like basketball commercials where they're like they're playing horse and they're like throwing it like across the country and it like they do that it's just like a rube goldberg machine but for deadshot (laughs) (laughs) that's in his head he's just thinking about like that's all he's doing is meditating staring out into the void going all right every time at 1202 p.m that bird flies around and that airplane comes from the louisiana airport so and then he just like plans it out just like all great superheroes do like magneto Mm -hmm. but um yeah I, I, we'll have some more stuff to talk about this in tomorrow's minute uh, do you guys have any closing notes before we wrap up no i'm good yeah man all good all right you guys we're going to head and wrap up for today if you enjoyed everything you heard you can find us on all social media at dceu minute and uh facebook group dc cinematic minute listener society and we'll catch you guys for minute number 25 of suicide squad tomorrow